Hey, marketing executives. Ever thought of a revamp in your B2B designs? Dreamt of launching your own company podcast? Choose Stories Bureau. We master in innovative branding, compelling videos, and podcast production. Don't just market, tell your story. Let's get started at storiesbureau.com. Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Murari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. You guys, I'm mad because there's all this talk about people leaving the workforce, especially with millennials, like oh, corporate life is terrible. Like, I don't want to live in this box, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to start my own thing. And like, here we are talking about like the power of bringing multicultural women into leadership positions and staying in corporate America. When everyone else is talking about leaving, we're talking about staying. But on this podcast, we haven't really talked about it. We've kind of just like danced around it. And we know that over 200,000 Black and Latina women have disappeared from the workforce since the beginning of the pandemic. So like, there's something wrong, first of all. Like, there's so many wrong things. I don't even know where to begin because we there's this other survey from 2021 that said two in three women, 67%, plan to leave their jobs within the year, meaning one in three of all women of color currently plan to leave. And like we all know, a couple years ago when Beyonce's Renaissance album came out, like everyone quit their, they actually quit their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm so glad you bring this up because I can't tell you how many women, and I'm sure that both of you come across multicultural women who are thinking or talking about wanting to leave corporate America because of the experience in corporate America. And I'm always talking to them about how critical is the presence of multicultural women in corporate America? It's not just a desire, it's essential. We are so critical and irreplaceable in corporate America today because we are living in a multicultural America. Yet it's breaking our souls. <laughs> yes. I, I, that's where I'm at. I'm like, if we are irreplaceable, if we are needed in the workforce, if this research tells us, research that has been done over the years, so this is not research that just came out yesterday, that 30% of women in their executive teams are significantly outperforming those with less women in their companies, then what's happening? Why is it that women continue to leave? Now, we've talked a little bit about that, but I, I would love to hear more about why is it so important for women to stay when we're impacting innovation and financial results positively? 
in organizations. I think that it's like real talk and Elisa has been on the phone with me and my frustrations, but even when I started, when I met the two of you and I became really passionate about this topic in a different way and how do we advance multicultural women? How do we see more of us? I also was going through my own experience of feeling so frustrated in my career and I wanted to leave at a point. You know what I mean? Like I, and that's real. And I'm not saying that I actually didn't want to be there, but I'm saying that just to bring up those emotions and experiences that make us feel frustrated. It's that they're real and it's valid. But, you know, I stay and fight it out because I'm like, no, we got to be here. <laughs> like we're going to find no. a way. And, and inclusion is so important because Catalyst tells us their research says that organizations with inclusive cultures and practices are 57, almost 58% more likely to improve even in their own reputations. And this is from a reputation from, for example, if you were working for an organization and I wanted to work there, I would come and ask you, right? Yeah, and, and for sure. That is so critical, but it sounds like, and we know this from other surveys, that inclusive cultures continues to be an opportunity. And I don't believe that's something that's going to be fixed overnight. So I think today what we want to focus on is why should multicultural women, women of color, stay in corporate America? It's funny because our producer for the What Rules podcast, Alexandra, was like telling me, Alisa, like you're so passionate about this. You're not in corporate America. Like you're an entrepreneur. Now you have two businesses. Like what are you doing telling women to stay when you haven't? And I think that's valid. So let me just defend myself real quick to Alexandra and everyone else listening. <laughs> One, that was never my plan or my goal. I've always wanted to be on the outside helping leaders of corporations. You know, my master's organizational development. I studied executive coaching. I was in corporate America to get that corporate understanding so that I could go and leave and help. So I did not leave because I was, you know, put down or discouraged or anything being a woman of color. Like I had a not a beautiful, easy ride by any means, but it just was never my path that I chose. I've always wanted to come alongside these leaders because I feel like my personal gifting is there, is in that place. And I felt that since I was like 21 years old. So that's my reason. But part of that reason is because back when I was in college, I saw how broken systems were. I don't really understand like the color, the racism. I didn't understand like those. I was just thinking, like I grew up in the church. It was dysfunctional. And I saw business, there's dysfunction. And so I was like, but it doesn't have to be like this. Like, so it's really my optimism that has driven me to like help like transform leaders. And I think in a multicultural America, like you said, Medadi, like how do we create culture in these organizations so that 
multicultural women can thrive. And there is construction in my background, in my house. So if you can hear it, everyone, that's what's happening. But like, how do we help everyone? Yeah. And that's interesting you say that, right? Because that was your experience. But then we also find from the McKenzie research that 59% of Black women leaders want to be top executives in corporate America. And this is compared to 49% of women leaders overall. So the want is there to continue in corporate America. And then we have people like Courtney. You're a millennial, right? You're like on the younger side of that. And I was just thinking, you know, you see all this news about Gen Z and how they're the lazy generation. They're going to go to work, but they're not really going to go to work. They're just going to coast. Do you think your people in your sphere, you know, we know that you're a case study of one, right? We're going to take that into consideration. But like, (laughs) what's your perspective? Like, do you think your peers want to get into corporate? Do they want to become entrepreneurs? Like, What's the feeling out there? So I would say, and this is definitely a brag on my inner circle, but I am surrounded by freaking exceptional women who are my age and they're extremely passionate about their careers. They're very hardworking. They are in corporate America, very, very driven, wildly intelligent. And so they're very happy in it more so for the benefits and the resources and the growth. And I think, honestly, their perspective in their careers lifts me up. I don't know what it will look like in five years. I think that remote work has really, really helped people stay in corporate America, to be honest. Having that hybrid model has made it way more manageable and favorable. No one enjoyed nor does anyone miss sitting in an office every single day. (laughs) That's just the truth. So it's like, you know, why are people leaving corporate America? My age, if people do, the the sentiment is around, hey, I want more freedom. And I want to be able to have more agency and control my time a bit more. So I think it's, it has less to do with corporations and more to do with personal choice and lifestyle. And even looking at the McKinsey study, like many women are switching their jobs for better opportunities. So I'm highlighting that to say it's it's not necessarily about disliking corporate America. It's just wanting something different. And so I have my reservations for sure when it comes to corporate America. But Elisa, you and I were talking about this recently. I also kind of, I want to dive deeper into it at the same time. Like I want to jump out of it and then I want to dive into it. <laughs> yeah. And I look at it from, th- th- that's good insight because it's, it is a different way of thinking. Having grown up in corporate America, literally since I was 17, my way of looking at it and why I think I relate to the research is because there are so many, like you said, Corny, fabulous, smart women in corporate America who are not in C-suite positions. And then you can only ask yourself, but why? And we see that a lot of the research goes back to inclusion and belonging. But my concern is more on we're opting out of power. And and why do I say that? Because 
corporate America is a very powerful being, if I could say that. A high-profile CEO wields more influence than any typical citizen. Okay, let's just keep it real. They possess substantial income that gives them discretionary funds to invest in community initiatives. Community initiatives that many of them don't even know if they're good or bad because they can't even relate. We must not be fooled at the fact that corporate America power is real and we should strive to sit at that table. I mean, if you think about it, as the head of a major corporation, they have a public platform, kind of like an influential voice, right? They have the capacity to mobilize customers, contractors, employees, clients in support of the company's objectives. Now, every time that happens and we're not at the table, our voices, our community's voices are not particularly being held. They're not being heard. So the decisions made by corporate America are impacting us, our families, our generations, our communities, whether we like it or not. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them we probably would have done differently. But if we're not at the table, we're not going to be part of that power. And who's going to change the system? And who's going to speak up if we are opting out out of that power? And, and, and listen, I know it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's, it's kind of the way that I look at it. There are major decisions being made. And we do not have a voice at that table. Now, I mean, I love that you're positioning it as like opting out of power. Do you want to opt in or do you want to opt out? Either way is hard. <laughs> Either way is really, really hard because we all want to see the change, but it takes sacrifice to get there. And so I think it's more of a personal mission. Like it really starts with each of us to say like, what difference do we want to make? And to be honest, Elisa, when you were saying you chose a different path, what you've done, even all of us are in studying organizational development, even if you're not directly in corporate America, but you're supporting the systems on the outside that uplift it, that's still being a part of the solution. Like those things need to be in place to give perspective, right? We're kind of like, like the referees. <laughs> and I do want to give a shout out to the women who are like, I don't want to sit at the table. I'm going to create my own because yes. I think that there's a time and a place for that. And we know that is, that is an uphill battle the same way being in corporate America is an uphill battle. Maybe harder because your whole life is like in it 24-7. I know as an entrepreneur, that's the lifestyle I've chosen. It's like high stress, high challenge, but also high reward. You know, I've been following, I don't know if you guys have been following the Fearless Fund in 2021. Let me just read this stat to you. Black female founders received just not even 1%. They received 0.3% of VC funding between January and July. And they're under attack right now. Like choosing to go make your own table, that is hard. That is a special gift 
that if that is what you feel like your destiny is and your mission is to go down that route, then like, I, I love that. But I do think that what I hear with the people leaving is like they leave and they just think it's going to be it's the easier way. And so I would say whether you want to stay in corporate America or go build your own table, you want to seat at the table or you build your own, choose your hard. Yeah. And, and what I would say there, it's I, I agree. We need both. We need the entrepreneurs who, like Courtney said, are going to help from the sidelines or not even the sidelines. They're going to really walk with leaders to help leaders that want to make an impact and really support the communities that they live in, because a lot of people say that they want to reflect the communities they live in, but they don't, not at the C-suite. Let's just keep it real. And this is not from a personal perspective. Look at the data, right? Let's look at the data and what does the McKenzie report tells us about multicultural women in the C-suite. So just for perspective, for those women who do choose to take their own path, something that came to mind as you were just framing this up, Elisa, is that the most successful companies in the world mostly started by white men. Woo. Um, <laughs> those companies started because those individuals took their own path. And so what excites me about women who do choose to take their own path, th like these could be the seeds planted for those companies that decades from now, you know, beat Apple. That could be Apple's next competitor. Like whatever it is, like you, we, we don't know that yet. We can also do that too and be a competitor with everybody else. I agree. I do still think we need both. We need to come from all different angles because the same way that you have, to your point, the ones that started in the garage and now are the apples, there were others growing alongside. And I think we need to come from both perspectives. The numbers are there. We exist in the marketplace. I don't think we should take one way versus the other. I really think there's room for, for both. So the people that choose to be entrepreneurs, go ahead, be the next Apple, be the next Tesla. Absolutely. We need more multicultural women making those moves. I also do believe we also need in the current organizations, because we are here right now, with the skills and capabilities to be CEOs or, or in the C-suite today. So let's not wait until, you know, 10, 15 years when we have the capability to do that today. So I believe it's both. We need to have a long-term and a short-term strategy. And the short-term strategy is the talent is there. Anybody that says that is not, I would happily um, recommend <laughs> some highly qualified women. And then I think the long term is continue. Those women that are out there, entrepreneurs and doing their thing, do not let anybody stop you from fulfilling your dream. We still need you, entrepreneurs, but we also need you, corporate women. We need both. And we should have I mean, both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, why not dominate all areas, <laughs> right? Like, let's dominate corporate. Let's dominate small business. Let's, you know, like, why not? There's enough of us. There's a lot of really smart, talented, multicultural women, you know, outside of our circles here, too. Well, you said I something important. You said, let's dominate. So right now, the one dominating are the less represented 
in society. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like from a census perspective, the people are dominating. There's less of them. There's more of us. So when we say dominate, it's like we have the right to because we have the education, we have the smarts, and there's more of us. So it's not like we're planning a whole takeover. We just want to be represented. You can't deny the numbers. They're there. And educated, too. So it's both. Let's talk about how the ways the system is actually beneficial. Like, I want to give perspective to those listeners who might be really frustrated with their jobs right now, like wanting to dip out and remind them of like really tangible reasons to stay and like why this is beneficial. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what this podcast is about. It's there are, there are difficult cultures. Um, there are difficult people. There's tons of unconscious bias and microaggressions. There's a million reasons that we could say not to stay. But I can also say that there's many white males who are supportive of our success. And I think we can probably each name a few. I know I can. And they're out there. Now, that does require work from us to find those mentors, to find those sponsors. And I think to all the things that we talk about, right, not doing it alone, it does require work both ways. So I think I go back to choose your heart. Um, but I would love to hear your perspective, uh, Alisa, as well, because I think that's that's where I lean is it is. Yes, it is difficult, but this is why we have the podcast, right? To show women, this is how you can navigate those difficult times, um, but you have to do the work. The answers are there. We're just bringing them to light. Even through Zara Consulting, that's why we created Zara to equip the multicultural women who do want to advance and want to grow, like, let's make sure that, like, we're going to tool you up, right? And then it's also, let's equip the organizations. Are you ready? Can you handle us? Because we're here. What are you going to do about it? You know, you want good ROI. How about putting some more multicultural women into positions of power? Because we literally have the receipts that show <laughs> it'll work for you. I love that. We have the receipts. Yes. <laughs> Someone who works with me attended our What Rules conference this that we had this year in October, and she works for a large, well-known organization, and she was trying to, like, say it in a nice way to me. The, the phrase she used was, where I work, there's kind of, like, one note, and she's like, there's just one level that's what's acceptable. That's the culture. And she's like, I don't fit in. I don't fit into that culture. I'll keep her anonymous. So we'll call her Melissa. And so she's like, I want to leave. Like, I don't, I can't be Melissa here where I am. And it's, this isn't for me. Then she goes to our conference. She sees Tanika Cabral, she sees Lily Vallette, she sees Tier Suzuki, she sees Monique Leno, she sees me, she sees Mirati, she sees Courtney, and she's like, okay, wait a second, all of these women are badass, first of all, and but they're all so different, and the way they lead is different, their personalities are different, all the people on this call look like me, like, 
I didn't even know this could exist. What would happen if we entered corporate America and people look like us? And she's like, then I could be Melissa. And then she took it one step further and she said, if I stay where I stay, then what I'm doing by being myself and learning, and uh, that's not easy, right? It's, we know it takes strategy, it takes navigation, it takes all that stuff. But if she's like, if I put in the work, then I'm going to open the door for other Melissa's who look like me, who talk like me, who work like me, who can be successful, but it's different than what the norm is. So now I kind of feel like I have an obligation to stay for people who are coming after me. It goes back to your mental health and what you're willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice. I believe you should never sacrifice your mental health or your overall health. But I also believe that there are tools and support systems that if you surround yourself with the right people and just the tools that we provide on this podcast, that you can make it. Because I could tell you this, having been in transition from one job to another right now, I am trying a little bit at this entrepreneur stuff. And let me tell you, I feel like I need mental support just from doing it. <laughs> um, the entrepreneur. So I don't see it as... We're not even going to talk about our weight gain during the stressful uh, let's times. Let's not even talk about this. I just, <laughs> I just want to say through my doctorate, through my corporate life, I have kept it. And man, this little entrepreneur skit is just stressful. So what I'm saying is I think and one of you said this earlier, is what is that that fuels you, but that you still keeps you mentally and physically and spiritually healthy? I don't think that should ever be sacrificed. But if you feel like you're sacrificing that, it doesn't mean that that's not for you. It just means that you got to do a better job at taking care of yourself and maybe sit back and analyze that. I can't tell you how many times in my many, many years career, I felt like quitting. That didn't mean it wasn't for me. It just meant that I was not prioritizing myself. So I really think that's something that as women, we got to do a better job is no one to take that pause, no one to not do it alone, no one to really take time to to take care of yourself. I think, I don't know, almost everybody that we've interviewed they have some type of regimen, right, to take care of their physical and mental health. A lot of these women do, and I think that's so critical. Alisa, you've been an entrepreneur for a very long time, and Courtney, I know that this is your space in, in the mental and physical health, so we'd love to hear your perspective on that. It's important to fill up your cup before you feel burnt out. Yes. And it needs <laughs> to be a daily. Done. <laughs> I know. Well... Yes, but I think it's it's also important to make it a daily practice. I was reminded today by my coach, actually, like, if you're going through a tough time, well, guess what? Tough times build strong people, and strong people make tough times easier. So just continue to build up your mental, emotional, intellectual, spiritual strength, because no one necessarily expects a tough time. No one, you know, desires a tough time. Tough times happen. Life happens. So the point of making it some sort of routine or daily ritual, like that's really intended 
to not necessarily help you just in that moment and feel good for that specific workday, but you're, you're filling up what I call like your emotional bank account or your mental bank account so that you feel full. And then when life kind of comes at you and you're like, I don't know what direction I want to take, or I'm feeling really frustrated and I might make this transition. You just have a little bit more calm and ease to think through those tough times better. And I think that goes back to owning your power, right? Own your power when it comes to your personal health, but also own your power when it comes to your career. Whether you choose to stay in corporate America or become an entrepreneur, I think the more that you own your power, the better you will be able to make that choice. Because to your point, hard times will come. That doesn't mean that you're not meant to be there. That doesn't mean that's not what you love. It just means that you burned yourself out. I've been there. I burned myself out really bad. And it cost a lot from a a mental and health perspective. But being able to bounce back is like you said, Courtney, is what makes you stronger. So don't quit because of of how we chose to let go of that power to take care of ourselves. And for the women listening to this, like, we need you. Like, we need you to be strong. We need you to be healthy. We need you to advocate for yourself at work and find a mentor, find a sponsor, find a community of support who's going to be with you when you just need to, like, vent it out Um, because we all have those times. But we need you to stay in the game so you can outsmart it. And that's what we're here to equip you with. And this is the last episode of 2023 for us. And we all feel really passionate about making sure that you multicultural women stay the course. It might not look crystal clear, but there is a path for you to succeed in corporate America, to own your power in this powerful world We see it for you. We see other people who are already there who are continuing to pave the path. So pave your own path. Pave it for us. Pave it for the rest of us. We are in this together. And bring your tribe along the way because when you succeed, we succeed. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.